congrats to us. We did it. 100 episodes. Can oh you believe it? Oh my god, I literally cannot believe it. 100 episodes of Film is Lit. A little hobby that started in the thick of COVID in mm-hmm. quarantine has now blossomed into this beautiful, fun little activity that we do every weekend. For real, yeah. Well, we record every weekend, but we're constantly reading books, watching movies. Editing. This is our life. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, welcome to Film is Lit, the podcast where we take a piece of literature and compare and contrast it to its film or television adaptation. My name is Danny, he, him, the self-appointed film expert. And my name is Laura, she, her, and I'm the self-appointed lit expert. And as you can tell from our opening and the title of our episode, this is our 100th episode. We average around... 30 episodes a year. Yeah. That's that's amazing, really. Yeah, and we have some statistics to share later, and that factors into one of mine, which is really cool, but I'll save it till later. Yeah, so we're not covering one specific book or movie on the episode today. We're doing a podcast retrospective. Yeah, and we also don't have a guest for once, because we've also turned into the podcast that has a guest every week. Well, yeah, well, I wanted to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. So this has turned into, again, this is a hobby. This is a non-monetized podcast, but it has, especially during COVID, when you couldn't hang out with people. Yeah. This was a great way to connect with our friends and family, and it still is. Yeah, and in an intellectual way, you know, because when you're hanging out, you don't always get to talk at length about art and we were able to start doing that with a lot of people and I feel like we've gotten closer to our guests whenever they're on. Yeah, exactly. And we've met a few Yeah, we've met some great people through this intellectual podcast. Intellectual people like Dylan Davis from the Super Seventy podcast. Right. Noah and Kayla from the Secondhand Film Critics podcast. Yeah. People who we otherwise wouldn't know at all right. if we hadn't joined this podcast I social met sphere. John and Pat through the podcast? Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah, my my buddies. Well, actually, I met Pat, too. You met Pat I was just through, friends yeah. with John. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that's why this podcast is so fulfilling, because before this, we were talking about books and movies on the regular, but now to do this with our friends and family, to really dive deep and analyze art, it's what a pleasure this is. And right. doing it with my wife, my spouse. And we've you're right, we've gone through so many changes in yeah. our lives. We started this podcast, Just Boyfriend and Girlfriend. Listeners, if you've been with us since the beginning, you've witnessed us then get engaged, then take a long hiatus to get married. <laughs> yeah. And then now... We're in the newest chapter of our lives. We're moving soon yeah, into we're, a condo. Wow. This we're is, in escrow. Yeah. That's a Gilmore Girls joke. We're in escrow. Yeah. <laughs> but like major listeners have witnessed our major life events here. Yeah. Wow. What's next? <laughs> I don't, well, I, I can tell you what's on the usual next Yeah, we, list, we all but. know what's next. But yeah. But yeah. Pending. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. But this is going to be a fun episode because we have so much to talk about. 99 episodes to talk about, of course. We've had many different variations and episodes. We've done books that we wish were movies. We've We've covered TV shows. The whole gamut. And I will say, yes, some of the superlatives are going to be worst books and worst movies. But 
generally speaking, most of the stuff we've covered on the podcast is exceptional stuff. Oh, yeah. Especially when we have guests on. Rarely does a guest want to talk about a book or movie right. or both that's bad, right? right? You want to talk about what you love. That makes sense. And uh, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches here. So if you have been a guest on this pod and we don't mention your episode at all throughout this whole retrospective, don't take offense to it because there's seriously so much gold to mine through here that just because we don't mention you or your episode doesn't mean we don't think you and your book and movie aren't stellar. Exactly. That was an issue that I had when I was going through all these. We have a huge tracker that I developed very early in the podcast just to track like the the episode number, which is why we know we're on episode 100, yep. the episode title, the date on which we dropped the episode. And it was taking me like a long time to get through every series of 10 because I was like, oh my God, I forgot we covered that. And that was such a great movie, but it's not in my top five, stuff like that. It's yeah. hard. We covered a yeah. lot of really good stuff. Agreed. Totally agreed. So let's dive right into it with our first superlative, which is worst books. Yep. Laura, take it away. Oh, okay. We're starting with me. Yep. So I don't know if we both agree on this one, but an absolute chore to get through for me was Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> it was like one of the worst books I've ever read in my life, and it seemed like it never ended. Mm. And it was an example of a book that had been so propped up for me by other people. It was on bestseller lists. It was on people's favorite book lists. It was everywhere when it mm -hmm. came out. So I had to assume going into it that this was gonna bring something to the table and it absolutely did not. Yeah. So not only was it a bad book, it also was pitched to me like it was gonna be the best thing I'd ever read and then it sucked. Yeah. So then it also kind of did that thing where I was questioning myself, mm -hmm. where I was like, is, is there something wrong with me? Everybody loved this book and I'm not getting anything out of it. What's wrong with me? But no, I've come around to really understanding that this turned into some kind of phenomenon. Maybe it was the marketing. I don't know what happened with this book, but mm -hmm. it, it caught like wildfire and I surely didn't get anything out of it. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, we'll be hearing about Where'd You Go, Bernadette later on, perhaps the movie in a negative light. Mm -hmm. So that this won't be the last time we're hearing about Where'd You Go, Bernadette. And I have other choices, but that one just, for me, was like, I got nothing out of that book yeah. <laughs> except for wasted time. Gotcha. Well, my two picks are both books that we read with my brother Matt. Oh. <laughs> and so what, what's funny is that Matt picked the two worst books but later on, spoiler alert, those books turned into two of the best movies right. that we've covered. Okay, I think I know what you're talking so, about, yeah. So a funny little uh, pattern there. Coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> but the two worst books that I have, which I would deem unreadable. Okay. Like literally I could not retain what I was hearing because I was either so turned off or disinterested or I got the point or I just thought it was poor, mm -hmm. was Up in the Air by Walter Kern, yeah. and American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis. Two, yeah, those it, were two of my runner-ups. <laughs> they're about men whose minds are deteriorating in a culture of excess. 
And mm. almost immediately you get the point of yeah. both pieces. It's clear within chapter one where it's going. Yeah. And I guess the point of both books is that they're not going anywhere. They're men aimlessly walking through life. Yeah. And both books are like 11 hours each. They just mm. go on and on. I, I want to make this clear. I understand what they're saying. And I think it's profound. I think what both authors have to say are profound and that profundity was transmitted into the movies. It was adapted into the movies and the movies are so much better for that. Mm -hmm. But the pieces themselves, so tough to get through. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I don't want to uh, ever read or look at those books again. Honestly, I think that's fair. And I did have both of those in my runners up. Yeah. I think the only reason that I didn't go with those were two reasons. The first one was that they're at least American Psycho for me was memorable. And Mm -hmm. I completely agree on your take that like I got it. And in fact, American Psycho gets my award for the only first and only book that I never even finished on this podcast because it was so... It was too much. It was way too much. I think I stopped around halfway through. There was a particular scene that I just could not get through. So I clearly did not like that book. I actually finished Where'd You Go, Bernadette? But that book and that movie, for me, they were both so forgettable. And even the movie couldn't get anything out of it for me. So that's why I just went like... There's nothing here yeah. <laughs> for me to enjoy. And that's why it fi- it kind of made the top for me. It was just such a blah, nothing book that never really should have been published. Agreed. And then it got a movie. Yeah. But at least those two actually had something to give to a movie. Right. Um, but I think we both have fair points about not enjoying <laughs> these least favorite books that we've ever covered on Film Is yeah. Lit. There are, the authors defy you to enjoy them. Oh, that well said. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how could you, even if you were a fan of that style of writing, it's like, how could you possibly say that you are enjoying yourself on any level? Right. And that's completely right. You're that, that's the point. But the argument is then, why am I sitting here reading this? Yeah, we do it for the pod. do it for the pod. We make a lot of sacrifices for our listeners. Yeah. (laughs) So you better... You better thank us. And spread the word about how great this podcast is. Yeah, well, everyone Everyone already does that, right? (laughs) Right, Right, listeners? Hashtag grow the show. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't think we need to belabor. Yeah. I don't think we need to belabor that conversation. Yeah, we have so many good books and movies to discuss that, yeah, I think that's... Yeah. The listeners get it. Yeah. Just like we got the books. Okay. (laughs) So now, flipping the script, we're covering the best books that we have picked for this podcast. I'll go first. Do it. So I'm not going to do the obvious one because I know you want... Both of us share a favorite book. But we should mention that neither of us have shared these superlatives with each other. For the most part, we're surprising each other on air. Exactly. Right. Yes. So I'll let you cover our shared favorite book. Okay. But I'm going to go with the obvious pick. Anyone who knows me or has listened to this podcast, Dune. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, a science fiction classic. And it's all, it also was never going to make my top favorite, so that's and that, fair. And that's fair. It hurts a little, but it's fair. <laughs> it's okay. 
Yeah, Dune, it is the definition of epic, both on a literal scale in terms of story, but also in terms of the conversations Mm. that it incites. Yeah. Both philosophical, about politics, economics. History. History, culture. Yeah. Myth. It's about Literature. so many. It's about so many things, and yes, the book is dense. Yes, the book is long, but it's it's the sweet spot. It's not too much material for me. It's not too dense. It's it's just the right amount. And I am a huge fan of sci-fi. I've made that known. I think Dune hits the sweet spot for me. Yeah, that's great. I think the shared favorite that you're referring to is 112263. Yep. By a little known (laughs) author, Stephen King. Right. And he's also the top covered author on our podcast. Yes. By easily by like five books. Yeah, we've we've covered five books and I think four movies, one show by him. We're about to cover another. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's upcoming. Look out for that. Yeah. But 112263... That is a consistent recommend from us. Like, if we're talking to someone, we're talking about books. It's one of those things where, like, maybe the conversation dies down a bit. And then we go, so have you read 112263? And if not, you should read it. (laughs) And I'm going to try to say this in the most non-pompous way. But this is just true. Everyone who we've recommended this book to and who's read it has nothing but great things to say about (laughs) it. Again, that sounds like we're bragging. I guess we are, but it's just the truth. It's and it's not. We didn't write it. Right. We're yeah. just. We're just. We're just saying it's a good book. We're not getting commission. <laughs> right. It is. Although we should. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Stephen King, pay us. Um, yeah, it's the perfect intersection between sci-fi, history, yeah. drama, political thriller. Uh, it's so engaging yeah. constantly through it's so literary so elegant yeah I mean, it's the characters are such a joy the adventures and even the slow moments of the book are just enthralling right and that's the thing a huge section of the book jake our main character forgets his mission and kind of gets he gets lulled lulled and lost in the te- he falls in love with a small town basically mm-hmm. and he like loses sight of his mission Wh- whether it's consciously or unconsciously he gets swept up in the time period and you as a reader forget what the book is about too and just yeah. get lost in the in the writing and you know what's crazy this is an upwards of a thousand page book or so depending on the mm-hmm. edition that you've picked up but i'm gonna ask how many books have our listeners and us included have reread a book that's upwards of a thousand pages? Right. And almost everyone that I've recommended this book, including the both of us, have at least now read it twice. Yeah. And that's saying something. Yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really the only books that I've ever read multiple times are either for this podcast or for like a paper that I had to write in college. Right. And this was a purely. I enjoyed this book so much, I want to read it again yeah, situation. Likewise. So, yeah. um, I did have a couple of runner-ups because Same. that's such a runaway favorite for us. Yeah. So I was going to do sort of a honorable mention. I thought Passing really blew me away. And Same I didn't one. really know what I was in for when I picked that book up. It's pretty short, but really deep 
with lots of layers and it's one that I will probably revisit. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of my thresholds too. Like a book that we've read for this podcast that I'll revisit, that's a big deal. Yeah. Right? So that was one of my runner-ups. Do you want to share another one of yours? Yep. A runner-up for me was Rosemary's Baby. I knew you were going to say that. I love Rosemary's Baby. I mean, it basically is the film. And the film is one of my favorites that we've covered, spoiler alert. But yeah, it's uh, beautifully written, so tense, so suspenseful, like perfect in my eyes. Yeah. Another runner-up is Sideways. Of course, yeah. I wasn't expecting to love this at all. And it's one of the funniest, most profoundly sad books that we've read. I love Sideways by Rex Pickett. I recommend it to everyone. Yeah. One of my last runner-ups was Gone Girl. Yeah. I hadn't read that, but I had seen the movie. And it was another one that was like very close to the movie. So when I was reading it, I was kind of thinking that it might lose a little bit of its tense Mm -hmm. nature just because I knew the twists. But it's, but it's Daddy Fincher, baby. Of I, well, yeah. But but honestly, like, and Gillian Flynn adapted the screenplay, so it shouldn't be that surprising. Right, right. But even, I think that's the beauty of the book. Even knowing the twists, yeah. it was still really tense. I could not put that book down. Nice. So right. that was another one of my runner-ups. Right. Shouldn't be a shock, but. Right. My last runner-up for best book is The Wonder by Emma Donahue. Oh, yeah. I thought this was one of those bargain bin, you know, mom picks up at the airport type books. Not Mm -hmm. to gender it, but I mean, that's kind of what it's marketed to, the female audience. But I was enthralled by that book. Yeah. And the movie was a little disappointing. We'll we'll get to that. (laughs) All right. The next superlative is biggest improvement from the book. So we're talking about the movie or television show that best improved the source material. And this does not mean that the original source material was bad. We're just saying that the movie or TV show improved. Did it better. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Laura kicks off. Well, in direct contrast to what you just said, (laughs) mine is a book that literally ended up in our recycling bin. (laughs) (laughs) because I thought it was so bad. I didn't even want to keep it on our shelf. And so my biggest improvement of a book is Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yes. Because that movie, sure, do I have a little bit of rose-colored glasses being that it's a childhood favorite of mine and I have that nostalgia factor? Yes, absolutely. But after reading the 60 page novel, whatever it is, that was specifically marketed toward children, mm-hmm. <laughs> the layer of appreciation that that added to the movie was a big factor for me. Yeah. Like the fact that they were able to pull that really beautiful relationship of Robin Williams as the father between him and his kids being a divorced dad going through a lot emotionally. Right. Added so much depth. And the book is so tone deaf, I think, to that really important piece of his character that there was almost nothing in the rest of our catalog that sort of created that like spectrum of, right. of bad to incredible for me. Sure. My first pick for the most improved from the book is Up in the Air. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Up in the Air it's it, yeah i can't argue with that yeah up in the air is just like absolutely stellar from top to bottom and writing wise the dialogue 
you know, cracks like a whip. It has so many things to say about commitment, both in relationships and committing to life itself. It, and without feeling pretentious, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of the. This is a indie from two thousand nine. So by the director of Juno. So it has all the markings of something that is could be you know feel a little twee, a little surface level, but it's profound. So funny, and uh, an excellent movie that we recommend to everyone with a devastating twist. Yep. An absolutely devastating twist. You saw that picture of me. We posted it on Facebook about yeah. my face the first time we watched it, Up and that twist air. comes out. Yeah, I recommend that book. Uh, recommend that movie to everyone. Yeah, to be clear, not the book. Yes, <laughs> stay away from. <laughs> The book up in the air. Yeah. My second pick for biggest improvement is uh, There Will Be Blood, mm. uh, based on a third of the book Oil by Upton Sinclair. Oil is, I would say, a solid book, uh, more history-based than uh, story-based. Yeah. But I think what Paul Thomas Anderson did, creating one of the most iconic characters of all time, of Daniel Plainview, yeah. played by Daniel Day-Lewis, I mean, what... What a triumph. It's one of the best movies ever made. A masterpiece. And what PTA was able to derive from that novel is was perfect for a story like that. Yeah. Well, you've made my job easy because those were two of my runner-ups. Yeah. So I have nothing to add. Completely agree. Awesome. The only other runner-ups I had was um, The Godfather. It was just... <gasps> oh, yeah. that's a good point. Because I really struggled to get through the book, but... At the same time, I didn't love the movie, so. Which is crazy. That's a conversation for another day. But um, everyone has their own tastes, even if they're wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the movie is just, I mean, everyone knows The Godfather. It It is the Godfather of movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, the book is just fair. It's just, it seems unrefined. Mm-hmm. Whereas the movie is the definition of a refined, precise piece of cinema. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's really all I have to say about it. Another runner-up is The Goblet of Fire, the movie. Interesting. We discussed. Yeah, you even think that's a glow-up. We yeah. liked the book, but the book is too inflated. Mm-hmm. It has way too much fluff. Yeah. And the movie, despite being long, wisely cuts the fluff mm-hmm. and is pretty streamlined it's one of the most iconic movies in the series. And it has that banger score when Cedric dies. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost worth it. Yeah. <laughs> the book can't bring the score to the table. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. I didn't think of Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. The next little superlative I have is a surprise. Okay. This is the So Bad It's Good Award. The okay. award given to the book or movie that is so terrible that all you can do is laugh at it and have a great time. <laughs> okay. I don't know what your answer is to this at all. Oh, it's going to be obvious once I say it. You're okay. going to say, oh my gosh, yes. Okay. So my pick is the Amy Adams movie, The Woman in the Window. <laughs> we had an absolute <laughs> blast with that. So a terrible movie, a movie riddled with poor reshoots, rushed reshoots. They were trying to ice skate uphill with that yeah Uh, that's the term and it was just a broken movie but it's hilarious characters will just show up in a in a room Mm -hmm. and you're like how did they there's not a door in that wall and (laughs) (laughs) and and there's a murder investigation going on 
and Gary Oldman is the husband of Oh my the god, wife. I forgot about that. And Harry Truman himself, yes. by the way. Um, <laughs> if you've seen Oppenheimer. <laughs> and anyone who knows anything That's so about murder investigations, cops don't just let the husband or wife of the deceased walk into crime scene investigations and talk to the suspects. That's right. not like a thing that happens and he just shows They're up. deliberately separated in yeah. fact. So part, yeah. it's uh it's a hilariously bad movie, but it's one that is fun to watch. I like get a bunch of friends, get some wine in you and yeah. it'll be a great evening. Yeah. yeah uh, that's great. The next award is the Bill Buckner Award that goes to the Booker movie that uh, drops the ball. <laughs> See what they did there? Pretty yeah. clever. And I had to be, this had to be explained to me. I have no idea who Bill Buckner was, but now I do. And, and I've, in fact, seen the play Yeah, he did on YouTube. literally drop the ball, so yeah. thus the name. So thank you for that. So uh, kick us off there, Laura. All right, so mine is, well, I have a couple runner-ups, but mine goes back to a multiple part episode that we put out. Okay. And it's because this piece of literature did so much for me in terms of not only the content, but also the format, which should give you a good hint of what I'm talking about. Okay. So the graphic novel Watchmen mm. did so much for me as a reader. Yeah, it's great. That the movie made me not only, you know, we've talked about laughably bad adaptations like Woman in the Window, yeah, but the movie made me angry <laughs> because right. I got so little of what I got out of the graphic novel mm. out of that movie, yeah. if that makes sense. <laughs> um, so I, it was one of those things where I, I was left feeling empty Mm -hmm. after a movie and I think yeah, that's, that's not the word. way that you want to leave your audience as a director especially when you've started out with such a rich piece to adapt oh yeah and I think that's something that we talk about a lot which is like sometimes books are flawed and yes. that's fine but when you have I'm not going to call Watchmen flawless but when you have such an incredibly deep piece of lit to adapt mm-hmm why not put those decisions in your adaptation? Like, why you're shooting yourself in the foot mm -hmm. if you don't make the same correct choices that the piece of literature does. Yeah, it's like some of the frames of the movie are the exact frames of the graphic novel, but it contains none of the, the rich nature or soul. Of right. Alan Moore's original piece. Yeah. Right. We don't really have to start talking about the show because I think obviously we covered it for three episodes or yeah. two episodes, whatever we did. Um, but obviously that not only took the graphic novel for what it was, but it also pushed it even deeper. Yeah. And so for Zack Snyder to just do the visuals of the graphic novel was selling it so short. Mm -hmm. Again, it left me very empty yeah. and frustrated yeah. and angry. So that <laughs> that is the recipient of our Bill Buckner award for right. me. Well, what we said in our episode was that it's never been more apparent that a movie should have been a show than mm. Watchmen. Mm -hmm. I think I think that was Zack Snyder's biggest failing, biggest mistake was making it a movie when it's so clear there was so much in there. 
I mean, just the the backstory of like Doctor Manhattan could be, you know, a whole episode of and television. It, and it was. Yeah, so, and it was. So <laughs> it just was a mistake for that yeah. to be adapted into a film, and audiences, critics agreed. Yeah. My recipient of the Bill Buckner Award goes to the Hulu original movie because no studio wanted to buy it, False Positive, starring the wonderful Alana Glazer. This is her one and only dramatic role, I think. And False Positive is a loose adaptation of Rosemary's Baby, one of Mm. my favorite novels. Even though it doesn't claim to be, but it is. But it is. (laughs) And this is the worst kind of bad movie in that it's a good movie until it's terrible. Yeah. Right? It has so much promise, so much potential. You and I, I remember watching that movie when we were so jazzed about it. We were like... We, we were, were filling in gaps that, right. that should have been filled in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I talked over you. No, it's okay. But it has a, just a terrible, unfinished ending. That's what I think happened. I think they literally ran out of money. That's what or was that, in the episode, yeah. Or that they might have filmed something and that the producers weren't happy, so they did reshoots. It's, it's an unfinished film. It sucks because it could have been a hidden gem, but no, it's a hidden piece of turd. (laughs) No, here's what I'll say about it. It raised a lot of great questions and then never answered them. Yes. And and to your point, again, we were like, in the first... 45 minutes or so of the movie we were like oh what a what a cool idea of an updated version of rosemary's baby right where we've got like ivd we've got cloning we've got all these cool things that you can now insert into the narrative of rosemary's baby which came out in the mid 60s and then at the end, it just fell apart. And we had, like, we started to write a better script than We it. were in denial. We were, we're just yeah. like, what? Yeah. yeah, it was like we wanted to start the movie over to really understand if we had misunderstood or missed things. But like, then, nope. no, no, yeah. it, it just was an empty ending. <laughs> right, yeah. I also need to mention another recipient of this award goes to the book Doctor Sleep by yeah. Stephen King. I was reading this being like, I'm afraid that I'm going to have a hot take that this is one of Stephen King's best, next to 112263, of course, not as good as that. But for a second there, I'm like, this is kind of better than The Shining? (sighs) And of course, I don't know what happened, but the ending falls apart. The first 10 hours of this 11-hour audiobook is just so elegant and interesting and is a a very unique sequel to a classic. Sequels to classics are almost never a good idea, but this book, for the most part, was the exception. The problem was Stephen King just couldn't bring it home. That's a problem Stephen King has been criticized for in the past, is that he doesn't really know how to end books sometimes. Well, and that's clear with how long his books are sometimes. Yes, (laughs) right. It's clearly a pitfall when you can stop a door. (laughs) <laughs> or stop a bullet right. with one of his guns, yeah. with one of his books. Right. So I still would recommend the book, Dr. Sleep, but it's just not, it's not one of the best because it doesn't bring everything home. Agreed. Yeah. So I have another nominee, not a winner, okay. but this kind of takes us back to one of our short stories. Um, I I remember really liking Escape from Spiderhead. Yes. And... God damn it if the end of that movie didn't make me want to throw the television out the window. That was such a disappointment. And talk about, again, another example of a movie 
that was really good for the most part, like a really solid low budget movie with a really good cast. Yeah, Miles Teller, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Yeah. and and something that I think like, especially for Chris Hemsworth, like this was a very, a vastly different cast choice Mm -hmm. than the stuff that he's usually been doing, which is Marvel (laughs) for the last 10 years or whatever. But yeah, you know, I mean, go back and listen to it if you haven't yet. I don't know if this is really a spoiler, but I guess heads up if you haven't seen the book. But the end is just this like weird, everything ties up in a bow, escape. (laughs) And it was another one where I felt like they had built up to a very emotional end that wasn't necessarily like a positive end, Mm -hmm. but it made sense for the narrative. Yeah. And then it just dropped the bottom dropped out yeah. of the sh- of the movie I and agree. I was really disappointed. So that was another nomination that agreed there. Yeah. Just not as bad as Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. For me. All right, I have another surprise for you. A surprise superlative. <laughs> You're making me feel like I didn't come prepared. What is it? It's the best inside joke that we had on this podcast. Oh, okay. And the award goes to, from Easy A, Penn Badgley going, Go Woodchucks! That's a great one. (laughs) And that's now somehow brought back to TikTok. Yeah, because of you. Because right? well, because uh, of us, yeah. Well, no, right. <laughs> uh, but we started talking about it last year because our episode came out almost a year ago from today on yeah. ECA, and now like that whole that scene is now a meme. Well, because Penn Badgley is blowing up again yes, because of you. That's right. So I think that's why people have kind of oh read... you the show. I thought I was yeah. saying you as in me. Danny I meant Gaylord. the show. Gotcha. Yeah, the show. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny misinterpretation there. <laughs> Well, I, I can add one. one comes to mind if you yeah, don't. Go ahead. So for me, I think that I consistently say Candyman. Yeah. <laughs> I think I say that a lot. You're talking don't about know. from the episode on Candyman, you say yeah. Candyman. Candyman. Yep. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh, and I still right. say it a lot. All right. Rolling on. The next superlative is surprise hits. So these are the episodes that garnered high downloads that we didn't expect to do well. So this is purely analytics here. This is not opinion. This is just numbers. Well, I guess it's our opinion on how they did well and how we didn't expect them to do well, but... We have an idea that we can share at the end of this segment about why we think some of these did well. We have a... Unexpected. Right. We have a working theory. Yeah. (laughs) But go ahead. So, I mean, the first one, and this is the winner here, is that the Books That We Wish Were Movies episode. Yeah. And we've done two Books That We Wish Were Movie episodes. This is part one. That has the most downloads of any episode that we've done by far. Yeah. And we did that as a lazy episode because we were like, ugh, like, can we do a special one because we're sick of reading? <laughs> right. Well, we had to read a few extras just for that. Like, it, Yeah, yeah. But, but we didn't have to do as much still... uh, research into the, you know, the prop. Yeah, and and we we were able to look back retrospectively on stuff that we had read a long time ago, and we're like, oh, this would be great. So it was still kind of a break for us, but shockingly, everybody downloaded it. Yeah, that (laughs) it's like it is a anomaly for sure, and we're happy about it. But man, man, is that episode doing well? And our part two on the episode is doing well, but. 
nothing compared to the numbers that number one is pulling. I mean, my goodness. And you know, another surprise about that yeah. is none of those have been optioned that we can find only, from season one. Only uh, the only good Indians has been optioned. Oh, it has. Okay. But it's not in production okay. and perhaps has been delayed because of the writer's the writer strike. strike? Okay, I, I guess yeah. I didn't know that. But for the most part, we're still waiting right. on those to be produced yep. or, or even optioned. Yeah, so exactly. Interesting. It, it is interesting. They, yeah, we recommend everyone go listen to that. But those who listen to this podcast probably have already listened to it, and the numbers <laughs> multiple, uh, multiple times. Even. Yeah, the numbers prove it. <laughs> yeah. The second surprise hit goes to The Handmaiden by the master Park Chan Wook, one of yeah. my favorite directors. I think you would agree to everything yeah. you've seen of his is right. a masterpiece. Right. The Handmaiden. That's a vast improvement on the book fingersmith mm-hmm. yes and, agreed but it's the reason why it's so shocking is that i was under the impression that that movie was only known to cinephiles because it is an international film you know there's three different languages spoken in that film right korean japanese and english but it's such a happy surprise mm-hmm. such a indicator that audiences do value and seek out this like high well-made art it's just so pleasing as a fellow cinephile to see the episode do well right it's number three right now in terms of downloads Mm -hmm. and we that was like episode 44 so it doesn't even there's 43 episodes before it that just have time on their sides to gain more uh downloads but yeah it's number three right now and it soon is going to be number two i believe yeah, so nice. The Handmaiden. The last surprise hit I wanted to mention was uh, Lolita, which yeah. <laughs> I, our theory is that um, students assigned this in high school are yeah. consulting our episode <laughs> for notes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're not going to get a lot of insight because the whole episode, we're just like, this, Shitting on it. this is so awful, the yeah. book and movie. Yeah. <laughs> not awful purely because of the subject matter, but awful in terms of just the experience in the movie by yeah. Stanley Kubrick we don't really enjoy. That's kind of a hot take, apparently. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Lolita's the last one that's doing very well. And, uh, yeah, can't really explain it. Yeah, and we have done a lot of thinking about these. And I think we have, again, some ideas. Like, for example, I think students maybe are searching mm-hmm. episodes on consistently assigned literature east of eden that's east of eden is another one that was really surprising hit pride and prejudice we expected that to be a hit so that doesn't you know apply to this award but but it kind of supports that theory of students who are maybe finding it in fact we have a good anecdote about danny's cousin who is the first that we ever heard that actually cited our brokeback mountain episode Mm -hmm. in a college class which was incredibly flattering to both of us but again it goes back to that idea that maybe students are looking for sources which is so interesting to me because when we were in school especially high school but also in college i never thought to cite a podcast and it's such a great place to look for information because you know a lot of times if you're writing a paper professors ask for like three to five different site source materials Mm -hmm. so podcasts are a great thing to mine and it just like i don't think it was the culture when Mm -hmm. we were in school but now i guess maybe it is 
which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but our other working theory is that some of the things that we've covered maybe just haven't been covered a lot on podcasts or even right. in written materials. Right. You look up The Handmaiden on the Apple Podcast app and our podcast comes up. Right. And right. there's not really many others and that's surprising to us but also good for us mm-hmm. because people watch that movie and they want to listen to a review or analysis on it mm-hmm. and a little you know podcast a small non-monetized podcast comes up mm-hmm. i mean yeah that's and it has like pretty legit content yeah because obviously all of our analysis is just opinion but right. we we both have fairly informed opinions yeah um and and we were thinking the same thing the first time that this sort of came to our attention was that East of Eden episode where we're just like, what in the world? Like it wasn't even, it's one of my favorite books. I love John Steinbeck, but certainly it's not a book that a lot of people read anymore. It's not even really assigned a lot in school. It's just, it's just too big, I think. But we're just thinking like it's an old movie. No one really talks about it. And if someone is doing a project or is just interested in that movie or source material then maybe they're just finding our podcast and we're really the only people engaged in discussion about some of these episodes so i don't know that's just our working theory we could be totally wrong but it's kind of fun to project about why our data is coming in in this way yeah i mean like our episode on drive my car that was a Mm. huge film for the cinephile community in uh you know 2019 2020 pre-pandemic right and there's not a lot of episodes analyzing that. Yeah. Just because it's an international film. Yeah. And that's a shame, but it's also kind of good for us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. We're getting a lot of downloads. So anyway, again, kind of fun to see. We just thought listeners might be interested in yeah. <laughs> hearing the behind the curtain kind of thing yeah. for us. Continuing the analytics thread, our next superlative is episodes we thought were going to be a hit. But weren't. <laughs> but weren't. <laughs> but weren't and are not. And it's disappointing. It's a long title. So but... go tell people to listen to these episodes. Right. Because we think they're good. <laughs> yeah, this superlative is basically a big ad for these episodes. <laughs> Hashtag ad, yeah. yeah. So my first pick for this award goes to Rosemary's Baby. What uh, What a shame because not only is this book very relevant to today's times. I mean, gaslighting is a huge yeah, term. That's it's being... the, this is the poster child narrative of gaslighting. Of course, this is one of the scenarios where you must divorce the art from the artist. We don't like doing that, but you know, this is a case where the director is not a great guy. He will not be named. But I think the piece itself and the book written by Ira Levin is, is so compelling and it's such a masterpiece that for that episode not to get the numbers that I thought it would get feels a little personal. Well, you know what? <laughs> we have two episodes on that book now. Yeah. And neither of them are doing great. I, we didn't expect a false positive. Uh, I, don't, I don't know anybody who watched false positive except for us. But Right. I think that's true. I literally don't know a single soul. Right. But the Rosemary's Baby episode kind of, it flopped. It, mm. it, it was a big flop. It's not doing well currently. It was one of our earliest episodes. And for an episode, it's like episode 20. And for an episode to come out that early, it should be doing much, much better. But it sadly is not. Mm-hmm. So 
go go listen to that episode. I think it's a great one. Yeah, we both love the subject material, and that usually means that it's going to be a fun episode too, because both of us are just having fun talking yeah. about both the book and the movie. But exactly, not doing great. Um, so another one statistically that's lower on our scale is Silence of the Lambs, and I would say everything that we just said about Rosemary's Baby is exactly true for Silence of the Lambs. It's obviously not as old as Rosemary's Baby, which again came out in the mid 60s. Sans the Lambs came out in the, the book came out in the 80s. The movie came out in 1991. Um, one of the best of, movies ever made. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and one of the, you know, actually something that we didn't really talk about in terms of superlatives, but I always thought that this movie was like the scariest movie ever. Yeah. And then I watched it and I was like, oh shit, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's so good. Yeah. And the book is amazing. It's iconic. And for some reason, nobody's listened to this episode. Um, It flopped hard. Um, (laughs) It flopped hard. And it's episode 22. So actually, Rosemary's Baby was episode 28. So this came out right before. And crickets. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe a lot of people think that so so maybe to back up a little bit, a lot of our listeners who we know personally have shared that they don't listen to episodes that they haven't at least either watched the movie or read the book. Mm-hmm. And maybe people are scared of the movie and they don't watch the movie and maybe they don't listen to the episode as a result. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a short book. Right. It's not that long. And very similar to the movie as well. Yeah. Maybe people are boycotting it because of the representation of buffalo bill but we kind of had a conversation about that in yeah, the episode we, i don't know yeah we did and like how eh. i don't know we Who it's knows? a head scratcher we don't know it's yeah. not doing well yeah oscar winner yeah it's one of the it's one of three films that have won the big five that's best actor best actress best screenplay best director best picture only two other films have done that yeah 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 huh no downloads, crickets. Yeah. <laughs> zero. No, it's yeah. more than zero, but it's shockingly low. Yeah. Uh, for know. such a famous movie. All right. Our next superlative is top five downloaded episodes. Keep in mind that like number four and number five change a lot, mm-hmm. but the top three are pretty uh, set in stone here. Mm-hmm. And of course, they have the benefit of time on their hands. So number one, as we've stated before, is the books that we wish were movies episode. That's number one by a huge margin. Uh, number two is our very first episode. This is the first time we're mentioning it on the pod, Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. One of our favorite movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we recorded it before the whole Army Ham- Hammer I scandal. I have a note about that, about the amount of things that we've talked about that have now soured right. <laughs> in the course of these last three years. Right. But we I, didn't know. But we'll still maintain that it's a beautiful movie. It is. And I will also say that I criticized Army Hammer's performance compared right. to Timothy Chalamet and Michael Stuhlbarg in this film. Right, right. But nonetheless, it still yeah. sucks to watch and know kind of the yeah. fallout from that. Right. Great film, though. Still a big recommend. Yeah. Number three is The Handmaiden. Number four is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Which makes sense. I mean, we kind of did that because we wanted to boost our listenership a little bit. But I mean, we both and love the fun. movie. No, of course. But like Harry Potter is always going to get yeah, yeah. listens. Yeah. Number five, this just changed today. 
so yesterday, our number five was Arrival. That's one of my favorite movies of right. all time. We haven't talked about Arrival yet. Yeah. 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 Directed by my favorite director, next to Park Chan-wook, uh, Denis Villeneuve. And Daddy Fincher. Yeah, Daddy and, Fincher, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> Chris Nolan sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Arrival was number five. Today, as of this recording, it is our episode on American Psycho. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, which we recorded with my brother Matt and then my other brother Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, American Psycho. I'm sure tomorrow it's going to change. It's going to be a rival again, or then it's going to be mm-hmm. uh, some other other thing. So, uh, yeah, that's number five. I want to say this just real quick. Our previous episode, episode number ninety nine, we did on Oppenheimer, which mm-hmm. just came out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Christopher Nolan, so. It unfairly can't compete with the top five, but this is rising so fast that I bet you within a few months it's going to be in the top five. Yeah, and you know what? That makes sense because I'm not going to, I'm not trying to sound conceited here, but who in the world read American Prometheus? Yeah. Like, like no one, <laughs> truly no one, outside of probably history majors. But everyone has seen Oppenheimer. Right. The and numbers so, don't lie. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I think because of the marketing campaign for both Barbie and Oppenheimer, I think people are interested in digging deeper. Yes. And I think also another reason that it's probably really, again, I'm just projecting, I have no idea, but the movie was a surprise for a lot of people in terms of its pacing. Yeah. And I think people might want to understand the last third of the film Mm -hmm. a little bit more and why the movie didn't just stop at VJ Day. Um, Or the Trinity Test. Or the Trinity Test, which was also a big deal. So I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons it's climbing so quickly. It's just so popular right now. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, maybe you're right, but my theory is that it's just one of the biggest hits of the year, if not this decade, next to Barbie. Yeah. I mean, that was a case of perfect marketing by both Warner Brothers and Universal. I mean, you would think that two movies competing against each other would take business away from each other, but it actually speaks to this concept in economics known as comparative demand. Mm. Whereas if there's only one big movie coming out, you as a consumer think, hmm, do I want to go to the movies this weekend or do I want to stay home? But with two big movies out, you say, hmm, do I want to see movie A or do I want to see movie B? Mm. So in turn, that increases the sales of both. So it's actually good to have competition. Yeah, and we definitely saw Barbenheimer double feature fans when we went to see Oppenheimer. We did not partake. (laughs) We did not participate, but... I mean, in terms of talking about, like, bringing the movie business back into the theaters, like, here we are. We have arrived. (laughs) And not to take the conversation too far away from what we do on this podcast, but the other week I was on another podcast discussing the Mission Impossible franchise, and Paramount made such a terrible decision not moving the release date of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. It's got absolutely pummeled at the box office next to Barbenheimer. And it's like, what else did you expect? They're like struggling to regain their, bu- you know, their budget back because they just can't compete with Barbenheimer. Right. Well, to your point, again, people said, I'm going to make an event out of movie right. B and C. 
So why am I going to pay another $30 to see movie A that's coming out a week before? Right. I only get paid twice a month, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I don't feel like spending half my paycheck well, on Well, these big blockbusters movies. make their money back through rewatches. And Mission Impossible had a huge opening weekend, but it only had that opening weekend before the next week was Barbenheimer. So right. it didn't have the opportunity to regain more. The Oppenheimer 2 minute Yep. <laughs> Snaps. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's Moving get on. back. Let's get back. Uh, everyone go see Dead Reckoning. I think it's a great, great movie. Okay. Our next superlative is biggest disparity in ratings. So, this is the biggest disparity between you and me of what we rated a book or movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Out of four stars. Yeah. Of course. So, the first pick is. Fight Club, the movie. Speaking of Daddy Fincher. That's not shocking. This is something that didn't connect with you. I, <laughs> no. I get it. I get it, even though I think it can be misinterpreted. I don't think you misinterpreted Fight Club. I just think it's just not for you. Yeah. And for me, it's, you know, I'm a guy, obviously, so this, I, I don't mean to... Duds, bandits. Yeah, I don't mean to sound like such a meathead, but I think, I don't know, I, it's just such a well-made film. It was one of the first big plot twists that I encountered as mm. a, a youth growing up. Like, watching that movie was incredibly formative and groundbreaking for me. So, yeah. And I just think it's a great movie on its own, too. So, Fight Club, yeah, I rated sense. it the movie pretty high. You rated it low. What's our next pick? Yeah, I think East of Eden. I think you really liked that movie. And mm -hmm. I was pretty cold on it. It hasn't... Like, some of the technical elements haven't aged well. And some of the performances aren't great. Yeah. But I still think it's... I, I mean, I, it owes a lot to Steinbeck's text, of course. But I felt like it was able to expound upon the biblical allegory of it all. Yeah. Yeah, and I just, I thought it was a little overperformed. Mm -hmm. I have always been very swept up, like you said, in like the epicness of John Steinbeck's writing. And I just didn't feel that pulled off in the movie. So that's why it left me cold. Yeah. And that's okay. That's fair. <laughs> Our third pick for Biggest Disparity goes to Heart of Darkness, the book. Mm -hmm. Now, in our episode uh, where we compared Heart of Darkness to Apocalypse Now, a another one of the best movies of, ever of all time. You are you seeing a pattern here? Like, most of the movies are, like, the best movies ever made. Yeah. Um, it's easy to pick our favorites because right. it's just fun. Like, yeah, talking yeah. about them. But, but uh, yeah, I very embarrassingly... No, I'm not embarrassed about it. No. I, I, I've never liked I didn't like that book in high school, and I don't like it now. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I think it's... I understand the allegory of it all, but I just... I can't... I can't vibe with it. I can't mm -hmm. get it on its wavelength. Yeah. And I think Apocalypse Now is the perfect adaptation in that it, it makes it modern, or modern for the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and modern now. Yeah, right. I think it's still very applicable in terms of colonization. Right, but puts it in like a new yeah, setting. Yeah, yeah, supplants the narrative. Right, and changes it a little bit. And, uh, you know, as one of some of the greatest sequences uh, ever put to film. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, Heart of Darkness, I rated low. Cause I think that's it's almost unreadable, and you rated I, it as a yeah, classic. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that perspective. I think not only is it an incredible narrative, I think it's a very interesting like time capsule in terms of when it was written. 
and the sort of tone that you get out of it is so purely colonist that that's why I find it so interesting. Like it's so dismissive of the area in which they're traveling and this narrative takes place that it's just such an interesting historical piece. It's it's unlike anything else. Uh, I, I just I, I mean I value it from it in historical context. I just think it's a snooze fest. I, and I don't understand that. I, think it's I don't understand that. I think it's so it's just like the the number one word that I think about it is like mired and slow. I just, I, whatever. I don't care. Whatever. The word I associate with it is uh, ambient. We, I, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 again, it's, it's one of those things that I just like. Grounds for divorce. I, I'm almost speechless when I start to, to think about it because it was such an interesting approach to literature. It doesn't matter. Well, I, I whatever, understand we're, I'm in we, the we come down on it indifferent. You know what it is? I don't like entire books of someone telling a story without like taking breaks because like, you, you know, it's not like it's okay, an omniscient narrator. Right. He's like actually telling this on a boat. And I'm like, but what else do you do on a boat except for tell stories? Play cards, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. You can tell stories while you're playing cards. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We come down differently and it's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's not fine. I'll hear about it later. But all right. So the next superlative, and uh, we're getting to the final ones here, is our personal favorite episodes. So this is opinion based. So whether or not it was the most fun to record or it was we thought we did the best in terms of our research and analysis is all up for interpretation here. And I also, I don't know what you, Laura, but I meticulously stayed away from guest episodes because I don't yeah. want it to seem like, yeah. it, just because we pick one episode over another, I don't want like a guest to feel like we thought their episode was bad or anything like no, that. we have fun on all of all our guests. All our guests, yeah. but every single episode is amazing. I cannot overstate that. So for our personal favorites here, we're picking non-guest episodes. That's exactly what I did, yeah. Okay, great. So, Laura, kick us off. Okay, I, I'm i gonna go back to The Wonder. Mm. I honestly think that my interpretation at the very end- It's pretty cool. Is pretty damn spot on. And I would be so interested to talk to Emma Donahue because she's one of our living authors. We don't always cover living authors. And I really want to talk to her about, I honestly want to ask the question, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> about my interpretation, because I just like tapped into something like so true, I thought, that I got out of the book. Again, not out of the movie as much, but I just had such a fun time with that epiphany and yeah. sort of like leading you on to like my thought process in that. And that was such a fun, like, as dark as the revelation was, I thought that that's one of my proudest moments of myself yeah. in terms of like reading between the lines and seeing through the text and what that brought to the, the final narrative. So that was one of my most enjoyable moments on the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you picked a moment about you and not about us. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> my favorite uh, episode is our episode on Sideways. Because that was a case where you loved the movie and were surprised by it and basically kind of like demanded that we cover it. And I 
was a big stick in the mud. I'm like, Lore, listen, That's babe. true. I'm, this is, <laughs> listen, listen, chick. I was, <laughs> I'm like, just like, calm down, all right? But, I did. I had to go to bat for that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. of course, I was the dumb, bumbling husband on this one because I ended up loving the book and loving the movie. It's one of my favorite book and movie combos ever. Yeah. And I think it's the best case in that the whole episode, we were just... We were high on our enjoyment of the film and, and book, but also our analysis was rich like a fine wine. Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, not to get all smarmy and cute here, but life imitates art. As the characters were wine connoisseurs, we are film connoisseurs, mm. literature, art connoisseurs, coming to this perfect trinity of analysis and enjoyment and research. We were firing on all cylinders. Mm. We were like, we had a fucking A game mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. episode. I love Sideways. Also, another episode that I think was like one of our proudest moments in terms of our findings and our intellectual acumen mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. was our, our three-pronged episode on Candleman. Mm. So mm-hmm. that we read Clive Barker's short story. The Forbidden. The Forbidden. But we covered both the original movie and then the Nia DaCosta's... Like reboot, kind of? Reboot, but sequel. Because, like we yeah. discussed that on the yeah. pod was that it was branded as a reboot, but really it was a sequel. Yeah. It, to the first movie. Right. not to There are yeah. three Candlemen. Yeah, because uh, it's not a recasting of the original narrative. Right. It's a continuation. It's, a conti- it's yeah. like a direct, yeah. So, yeah. and a beautiful one at that. And I think that was the biggest surprise. That's why we liked the movie so much. I don't think the new movie is perfect. You, you give it I gave stars. it higher than you did. Yeah, right. for sure. The new movie's not perfect, but in terms of something within this franchise as a adaptation of a book, I think it's pretty darn cool. Yeah. I, it was something that I really wasn't expecting. You're totally right. I had no previous journey with the source material or either of the movies. Mm-hmm. And it really took me on a journey. Mm-hmm. That alone like, really was yeah. a delight, a, a, a huge surprise. And in fact, we were watching... So everyone's probably familiar with the song Work It by Missy Elliott. And we happened to be in the car and I pulled it up on YouTube had never seen the music video. Yeah. And look at the, there's a Candyman reference yeah. in that video. It's so yeah. it's it's little things like that that sometimes like we watch a movie or read a book and then later I start to notice cultural significance yeah. that I had never been aware of because I hadn't read or watched something. Yeah, so. we, we forget how influential some pieces are and especially the movie, the 1989 movie is like a slasher in disguise. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. it is social commentary disguised as a slasher. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't a huge hit because audiences went to it expecting something more traditional, but really has a lot more things to say about police brutality and redlining. And it's, you know, There's a lot packed into yeah. that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. A few others I wanted to mention. The Gray Man, our episode on The Gray Man. We're very biased because I worked on the film in a very small capacity, but we saw that uh, at the Bay Theater in Los Angeles. We're very lucky that in LA we have movie theaters that show Netflix films. That was a really fun time. That was just a fun movie. We recognize that it's not, it ain't The Godfather. 
it, it ain't Citizen Kane, but it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, we went to bat for that movie. That was really fun. On the flip side, our episode where we tore 11-22-63, the TV show, a new one, <laughs> yeah. we ripped it to shreds. And it seriously, I'm going to say, this is going to sound so conceited here, but I listened to that episode constantly to for a laugh like we were we were on a new one and all of our criticisms are valid yeah they're so spot on so our next superlative is the worst movies and tv shows easily i'm sure we both 11 22 is on that list yeah. talk about one of the worst adaptations of anything uh, anything in this world so miscast so, so poorly adapted in terms of the script missed the mark of the book Oddly enough, has Stephen King's seal of approval, which automatically means the adaptation is bad because mostly at his adaptations Stephen, he likes his. Bad. He's so weird about what he <laughs> likes so and doesn't weird. like. He doesn't like The Shining, but he likes 11.22.63, the Hulu adaptation. What the fuck? <laughs> it's even if you haven't read the book, I can't imagine you watching the show and being satisfied in any way. It is terrible. You know, another really great inside joke that Danny and I say all the time is. Fuck you, fuck your mission, and fuck Jayeth Guy. Yeah, you're talking about George <laughs> That's McKay. That's a direct quote. Yeah, George <laughs> from McKay from 1917. He's a British actor, but he was cast as the Kentucky-born... Again, why the fuck yeah. is he cast in It's this? so weird. And listen, I can't do a Kentucky accent, neither can George McKay. Okay? That's all we're saying. Yeah. So let's let's go right into it. The, before we get to our favorite movies and tv shows we've talked about a lot of them already but we're gonna get to our worst movies or tv shows so 11 misguided poorly written there's a lot of backwards writing we've talked about this before on the pod whereas writers will have a goal in mind they need characters to get to b so they work backwards and write the a that is never how you should write anything Stuff should be, you know, you should do A to B. Everything, characters should make smart Consequences decisions. Consequences happen after an event yes. or something. Coincidences are the enemy of good storytelling. Quin- you should never have a yeah. coincidence occur and then that leads your characters to accomplish a goal. Yeah. Unless your movie is about coincidences, which the show was not, no. uh, you should not have. <laughs> Literally the fucking opposite. If yeah. you read the book, it's... Yeah, uh, it's just disappointing. Like we're not we're not mad. We're just disappointed, and I think that comes out in our episode. Uh, please listen to that episode if you want a good laugh because we were brought our A games to that as yes. well. Yeah, agreed. Um, another one of the worst shows that we've covered is Little Fires Everywhere. Oh my that God. was really tough. Uh, that was. I was cannot tell you. Every time we sat down, and that took us fucking months to get through the show. Literally, it took every us- time. It took us three months. The show is 10 hours long. 10. <laughs> 10. Every time we. Danny had to fucking lead me to the trough to get through that fucking show. Eat every up, time. Eat up, piggy. Every time. Every fucking time we'd sit down to dinner, he was like, we have to watch an episode. We have to watch an episode of the show. And I was like, anything but. Yeah. Anything but, please. Um, I would rather that was a fucking eat rocks than yeah, watch that show. It was a again. fucking <laughs> chore. Um, I'm sorry to everybody involved in that show. I'm sure you worked really, really hard on it, but it fucking was awful. 
yeah. for us. Um, I have another one that I think both of us unfortunately agree on. Underground Railroad was the same way in terms of the show. Right. That was really tough to for, get through. From one of our favorite filmmakers, Barry Jenkins. If Beale Street Could Talk, we've also covered, and that was that's another one of our favorite yeah. movies. Moonlight is one of the best best picture winners ever. The Underground Railroad is just it. We understand what it's going for, and from a historical context, I think it's very important. The book is an important piece of education. I mean, especially for white people, of course. But the show is just, it's like too much. Yeah. Well, and I'm really disappointed because I actually read another book of Colson Whitehead's called Harlem Shuffle. And I really enjoyed that narrative. I got so much more out of that. And he even recently came out with a sequel to that called Crook Manifesto, which I haven't read yet, but I have. And I'm glad that I gave his writing another chance. I I just found Underground Railroad to be a little too much, like you were saying. I think his other writing is really good. I just, Underground Railroad was like really tough. That I will leave it there. It's just a lot. It's really intense. And I think there are other ways to learn that message. Yeah. Um, And for me personally, I just didn't get what I think I could have gotten out of it. Yeah, Um, I agree. Because it was just too long. I think it was belabored. Yeah. So unfortunately, that was also really and hard yeah, we're not to like denying through. that the things that happened in the show didn't actually happen. Uh, just the opposite, in fact. But yeah, it's like the point was belabored. Yeah. Yeah. A little too much. Um, uh, so that was tough for me. Um, I think the other th- one we've already talked about the woman in the window. We've already talked about Lolita. We already talked about where'd you go, Bernadette. The last so those one are I all... want to discuss is persuasion. Okay. The, the film adaptation, the which tries to modernize yeah. the text. Modernize, but also keep it in the 1850s. In the period setting, yeah. Yeah, so stupid. He wrote me a playlist. Oh my uh, god. Yeah. <laughs> I've written that movie out of my mind. That was... What an embarrassment. That was probably, yeah, one of the worst things we've ever seen. It's funny, we just watched The Meg last night, <laughs> but this is for an upcoming episode, so we can't talk about it. The Meg might be the worst, but okay, yeah. but we can't the the movie right. Uh, but it's not in the book. it's not in our canon yet. It's not in the canon yet. <laughs> but before that, it's probably Persuasion or Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, the show. Yeah. In terms of worst, like ever, not just in this podcast, just like ever. You know, Mansfield Park, the adaptation was really bad too. Right, I wouldn't put it. But, I wouldn't put it in the top five yeah. worst. But just speaking of Jane Austen adaptations, that just missed the mark. That yeah. that definitely goes in yeah. there too. All right, now we've reached the final category, best movies or shows. So as stated before, most of the things we cover on this podcast, most of the movies, not only are good, but are excellent. Some of the best movies of all time. A true embarrassment of riches. I just want to list all the great things we've covered. yeah, I know. Okay, and, and by the way, what I'm about to list is not every single great episode. And if your episode doesn't get listed, or if you like a certain episode and it's not here, that doesn't mean I don't think it's great. Okay, this is just the best of the best. Okay, you ready? Here's like all the best stuff we've covered. Arrival. No Country for Old Men. There Will Be Blood. Jurassic Park. Never heard of it. (laughs) Um, The Handmaiden. Sideways. Silence of the Lambs. Apocalypse Now. 
If Beale Street could talk. The Godfather. Up in the Air. Gone Girl. Dune. Denis Villeneuve's movie. Um, Watchmen, the HBO series. One of the best limited series of all time. Agreed. Rosemary's Baby. American Psycho. The Green Knight. I have that on my list. Yeah. yeah love The Green yeah. Knight. Jackie Brown. Probably Tarantino's Speechless. best. Next yes. to Inglorious Bastards. Obviously. The Social Network. The Power of the Dog. The Power of the Dog. That was one dog. of my run-ups for how much fun that episode was to yes. record. We had so much fun. And that book was such a surprise because we yes. thought that was another one we were like, oh, the movie's so slow. I bet the book is going to be even slower. But no. Banger. Yeah. Minority Report. Yep. The Prestige. Yep. Stoker. Yep. <laughs> the Shining. Yep. Blade Runner. Call Me By Your Name, and Oppenheimer. We just covered Oppenheimer. Now, again, that's the best of the best, but we've covered other stuff. That's so excellent. Good stuff. And the other thing that complicates this is, like, sometimes the book isn't great, but the movie is incredible. Right. And sometimes, and that, that just makes for an interesting discussion. Right. Right? Like, so some episodes that didn't even make this list are still really great episodes. Right. Like I'm thinking of, I'm looking at American Psycho, and I remembered that with Matt, we covered The Martian. And that's that's a great one. The Body and Stand By Me. Oh, yes. Incredible. Yeah. Like all great episodes. But yeah, some of our favorites I think we're going to cover now just because, and actually one of my favorites didn't even make it onto your Ooh, list. Well, so. what, what is that? Christmas Carol and oh, a Muppet yeah. Christmas Carol. That movie is such a nostalgia factor for me, but like it's honestly so good as well in terms of if you actually analyze it and kind yeah. of go back to its origins yeah. in Charles Dickens' original novel. And I'm pretty sure I cried during that episode. So yeah. <laughs> clearly I have some emotional connection to it, but just one of my favorite movies of all time. It doesn't matter that it's a Christmas movie. It is one of my favorites. Yeah. Gosh. Well, yeah, we've already talked about Arrival and There Will Be Blood, two of my favorites, but also Sideways, The Handmaiden, Rosemary's Baby, American Psycho, we've already talked about. So The Green Knight, I mean, that has been kind of a sleeper uh, oh, hit yeah. for us from uh, 2020. Yeah. What, what a joy yeah. that movie is. It is gorgeous, thematically rich. It wasn't nominated for a single Oscar, which, like, F.U. Academy Awards. It, it honestly like, just, yeah, it shows how subjective those awards are. Yeah. Because that movie is brilliant yeah. as an adaptation. Not only as an adaptation, but just as a good movie. Yeah. The Social Network and The Power of the Dog. Talk about two of the best, the most tightly edited movies ever. Yeah. I mean, ever. The, I love those two. We just watched Oppenheimer. Same thing, Jennifer Lame's editing. That movie is three hours long. I, I want to watch that again. I mean, yeah. it is... I could not believe that it was three hours. Yeah. And a testament to its great editing is that the Trinity test happens at the two-hour mark. There's still a whole hour of movie left to mm-hmm. go, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. And there's a panic attack thrown in at the very end there. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Jackie Brown, we mentioned, is... Jackie... Oh, is my God. so underrated in... It's... T- yeah. It, it yeah. I I have nothing but good things to say about the movie. The book I think fell a little flat for me, but the well, movie. I wanted to mention Elmore Leonard who wrote Rum Punch. Elmore Leonard has turned into one of my favorite authors. That's true. Yeah. Um I recommend his book 40 Lashes Less One. Right. We covered that in our books that we wish were movies episode part 2. Yeah. 40 Lashes Less One is one of my favorite books that we haven't covered on this podcast because it's not 
doesn't have an adaptation yet, but I mean, Tarantino has the rights, so. Right. So I wanted to add a couple to that list outside of A Christmas Carol. So another one that I just absolutely adore, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, yep. I love that movie so much. And I think he tried to recapture the charm of that movie in Isle of the Dogs. And I just don't think that he was able to do it. Wes Anderson. Completely agree. And, but God, every time I watch that movie, it's the, it's the entire mise-en-scene, right? That you're able to see everything you see in that movie is charming and smart and elevates the source material. Yeah. It just does. Um, We also, I don't think this made this on your list, but True Grit. Yeah. It's a classic. I I loved it. I loved the book. Loved the movie. The second adaptation, I should say. With Jeff Bridges. With Jeff Bridges. Loved it. Coen Brothers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And everything else you mentioned that I had on my list. The Sting. God damn it. What an incredible movie. And book. Oh, yeah. The Stranger. Yeah. 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 And the list could go on. I mean. (laughs) But we only have so much time. Right, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's all. Quiet on the Western Front. Oh yeah. God damn, incredible movie. Right. And the book was great too. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. If I if I keep looking at our spreadsheet, I'm never gonna stop. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our retrospective. 100 episodes. Can you believe it? I really can't. And I have a few closing thoughts too. If Go you ahead. don't have any, so my first thing is obviously thank you so much to all of our listeners and all of our guests because we would do this just for our own entertainment but the fact that people listen is like such an honor yeah and we get you know feedback from our moms (laughs) every once in a while but it's always like such a nice feeling when people reach out to us and say like wow i really liked that episode about xyz or on the other side of the coin, I totally disagreed with your analysis of this. Yeah. And that's really fun too. Like we've had a lot of really interesting and extended conversations with people who didn't agree with what we got out of a piece. Mm. Sometimes those are the most interesting conversations because yeah. we might've missed something or we might have a different relationship to the source material. Mm-hmm. So we welcome that. Like we always really like to hear from people. And again, the fact that you're engaged is so awesome yeah it's such a compliment to us and so we thank you for being with us for this long um i also just wanted to say like i was so nervous especially the first series that we did episodes one through ten most people probably know that i struggle with anxiety and it was so scary to put something out into the world that people that you didn't know might listen to and attack us for or disagree with. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say like for the most part, people have been very generous and, and sometimes like we'll come out with something and then the day, the next day we'll hear about, you know, for example, army hammer or i remember on our rosemary's baby episode i didn't really know roman polanski's story mm-hmm. <laughs> and then i read it the next day and i was i was a little embarrassed but i'm really happy with the way that we've been able to present ourselves i think like we're we're genuine and we do our best yeah and it's just again it's like it's a fun thing for us to do and i i feel happy with what we're putting out overall agreed and i guess the last thing i would say is like if you're wondering if you can do a podcast, like do it. Right. Because this was something that we, we had the germ of the idea 
before COVID. And I think we even recorded a take of our Call Me By Your Name episode before COVID. Yeah. And it was long and we didn't really know, like we didn't have it down. Yeah. But COVID allowed us the time to really practice and be thoughtful about what we were doing. But I really thought that this podcast might fizzle out after COVID. I just didn't think we were going to have time to do it. Right. But again, if you're wondering if you have the time or like you have a really good idea that you're excited about and you just don't know about the execution, like I would I would really encourage people to do it because it's brought so much enrichment to both of our lives. Yeah. And whether you're doing it with a co-host or not, I think like the personal accomplishment that you will get out of doing something like this, even if it's not a podcast, it could be painting, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. But like the personal feeling of accomplishment of putting out something is like really deep. I'm really proud of what we've been able to do. And I think it's brought us closer personally, like in in terms of our relationship. But also, again, we've had these like incredible Mm -hmm. conversations with people that wouldn't necessarily be open to us if we weren't sort of focused on a very specific topic. So I would say do it. If you if you feel like yeah. you can't, I bet you can because we could. <laughs> and if you're nervous about not coming across as authentic, you need to focus on talking about the stuff that you love. Mm. And if you talk about the stuff that you love, you'll blink and a year will go by. You'll have a catalog of episodes and you, you will feel fulfilled. You'll be more connected to yourself because through talking about what you love, you realize what you love uh, about yourself and what you love about others. And Mm -hmm. speaking of others, as you said, this has been a perfect opportunity to reach out to our loved ones, to make new loved ones. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is more than just a hobby. This is us. Mm. And podcasts allow you to do that. It's completely free. If anyone has any questions about how to start a podcast, Feel free to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Our email is filmislitpodcast at gmail.com. Email us with any questions that you have. We'll answer them. We can't encourage people enough to start about anything. Who ca- Like, who cares? People yeah. Like, will not a lot listen. of people, yeah, like, not a lot of people will listen. But again, I think it's more of that, like, the time and effort that you invest yes. into these things. I mean, we, we do a very time-intensive podcast. You know, we have to read, we have to edit, we have to watch movies, we have to take notes, we have to do research, but but you can do it, you know. Right. I was it, so nervous about that time investment again after COVID, but we've right. been able to fit it into our schedules and you can do it. Right. And if you're someone who likes books and likes movies, you know, there's a million book and movie podcasts out there, but don't worry about the numbers. Do it for yourself. Exactly. Because it's one thing to like entertainment. It's another thing to feel like your time invested means something. So yeah, I love this podcast. I love you, Laura. Love you too. Are you, were you waiting for that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I love uh, you too. <laughs> and I can't wait for the next 100 episodes. I know. Incredible. Right. Well, thanks for listening, team. We will be back next week continuing our season on summer blockbusters with our coverage on Jaws. So look out for that one. All right. That's me clacking my teeth. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.